Eric Kruger and Johnson A are out for the holidays. And you know what they say. When the cat's away, the mouse will play. Play an episode from the archives, that is. My name is Sean Lewitz, and you're about to listen to one of the most downloaded episodes of The Expansive for 2023. Right after this. This episode is supported by IRL, an original podcast from Mozilla. Made for people who are into or build AI and people who develop tech policies. Listen to Mozilla IRL wherever you listen to your podcast. Look, you know what really helps is tequila. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just you carry know? a little hip flask with you throughout <laughs> yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. For... <laughs> exactly. It's like, shit, I've got to go networking. Okay, let me just get drunk a bit. Let me get tipsy. And then I, I'm asking lots of questions. <laughs> Hi and welcome to the pod. This is The Expansive. If you want to be successful, then there are a lot of things that you have to be able to do in this life. Uh, You have to teach yourself many different skills. You have to start the business. You have to develop the product, develop the service. You have to be able to market it. You have to do a ton of things to be successful. But many of these things you can do on your own up until a certain point. And then when that point hits you, you realize that you are going to need other people to help you take your vision a bit further. And then you get to the realization that actually, it's not just about people supporting you for where you are. It's actually that if you want to reach the next level, whatever that might be, it's always going to be on the other side of a conversation, a relationship. And so today's topic is all about how do we cultivate and foster those relationships? And fortunately for us, we seem to have an expert on that topic joining us today, but he's also joining me for 144 other episodes, my co-host, Mr. John Sade. John, you well, brother? What's up, Eric? Nice to see you. Nice to hear Um, you complimenting me for a change. That's very nice. Very nice. Uh, Just kidding. Uh, Great to be on this this pod as a guest again for the 144th time. Thank you for having me, Eric. Um, So yes, I'm excited about today's topic. You have often remarked that uh, you feel that I'm very good at networking and very good at uh, just sort of like uh, growing my network. And I think that's really been a a big part Mm. of the success that I've had. And uh, it's been quite fun actually uh, writing down uh, 10 points and three bonus points to try and share what it is I do and Mm. how everybody can benefit from following some of these uh, principles. Listen, the only... Problem I have is that your networking gets in the way of us recording the pod over weekends because I'm trying to reach out to you and you're busy like partying it up. That is true. There's a there's a that is boundary true. that we might have to talk well, about. Yeah, you know, maybe there's. Some... I had a wedding on Saturday night, <laughs> and uh, Vili Vili, shout out to Vili and Emen, my friends who listen to the podcast. Um, lots of love to both of you. It was a wonderful wedding, and then we went out partying. I got home at half past three. That's about 20 hours past my uh, bedtime, usual bedtime. But uh, yes, it was, a, it was a fantastic weekend and uh, yeah, so much going on in Dubai. But let's get stuck straight into the pod. I think that's why people are here. And so the very first thing we want to talk about is this sort of expansive nature of developing uh, influence and developing impact and uh, developing friendships and relationships uh, as often as possible. So let's start off with the very first point, and it's not actually one of the tips, but it's a point that says, you are just a story in everybody's head. What story are you leaving behind? And I think that's really important is that think about everybody that you know and everybody that you've ever engaged with. You have a story about them. They were 
warm, friendly, self-absorbed, um, pervy, uh, smelly, uh, smelt good. I mean, you name it. Mm. And so really what you want to be thinking about this is that how are you impacting everybody's story about you? And this is where the biggest problem comes in, Eric, is that people are so engrossed in what they think of the rest of the world, they're not actually taking into account that you could be doing some very simple things to make a bigger impact in other people's memories of you so that you're top of mind because you only want to really do business with people that you like. You want to hang out with people that you like. Now, if you, if you haven't got that right, then you're going to miss out on a lot of different opportunities. And let's, say, let's be really clear as well. You can't be friends with everybody, and you're not going to always have a great memory of anybody. So that's also, that's also okay. I mean, some people don't even like the Dalai Lama, which is ridiculous. But, you know, that's what mm. it is. That story isn't right. So that's the first piece. You are a story in everybody's mind. You know, um, it's funny because I was actually thinking about that exact thing yesterday. I was speaking to someone, and I ended up, um, at the end of the conversation thinking, I wonder why we had this conversation. Like, what is the story they have in their, their minds that led us to having this conversation? Right. Is it that, oh, this is a guy that I see a lot of potential in and therefore I want to have this conversation? Is it mm. because, oh, this is a guy from like a third world country and we want to have that conversation? Mm. You know, like there are so many different versions of you that exist. Mm. And the mistake that you might make is to assume what that story is for someone else which is going to affect how you show up. And that's a big mistake. Mm. And secondly is, and I think this is the mm. entire point of today's conversation is that you get to influence that story. And if you don't do it, that story is going to form irrespectively. So rather be more intentional with it and be more uh, involved in the process of shaping that story. Well said. I like that. Be intentional about imprinting that story into people's minds because that's important, right? Mm. Okay. So, Yep. First point, number one, is you are one conversation from changing your life. Remember that every time you want to shy away from having a conversation or starting a conversation or in going to a networking event or just going out or whatever the case may be, is you're one conversation from changing your life. Now, there was a couple of pods back where I spoke about how the one conversation I was having with somebody about singularity and he became, I was just chatting to him with enthusiasm and he ended up being the guy who actually chose the faculty at Singularity University. And he was interviewing me without even knowing he was interviewing me just by having this conversation with him. And that conversation has led me to a lot of success and having a lot of sort of gravitas with the Singularity mm. brand. Right. So, mm. so cool. One yeah. conversation can change your life. Have you always been mm. an easy conversationalist? Or do you find that that's a skill in itself that you cultivated over time, that you were more introverted versus extroverted in the sort of traditional sense people think of it? You know, it's a great question. And I was actually, when I was prepping for the pod, I was thinking of starting off with that. And I kind of forgot when I was making my notes. So thanks for bringing it up. I was friends with everybody from the day one. My mom said that I would go to anybody mm. when I was a baby. I was always keen to explore. And it was like, it's a personality trait. But, but in saying that, my brother was never like that, and he's a master networker today. So when he was a baby, he would go to nobody. He only wanted my mom. He wanted nobody else. And he was a terrible networker from a baby viewpoint. But today he knows everybody. Everybody knows him. He's a very happy guy. So I think there's a lot to say mm. about nature. But also I think you can evolve it and change it and, 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 and understand the importance of it and elevate yourself and evolve yourself to it. Mm. Okay. 
Yeah, because I can I can see that this obviously a difficult skill for people. And we were talking about it a while ago on the pod that actually there are people now doing training mm. on how to handle telephone conversations, you know. So people have become very resistant, I think, to conversation because we, and I was actually, there was another, uh, I was speaking to that same guy from last night and he was saying he's running a big thing with an organization. The people in the, in the session don't want to do breakout groups wow. at all. Like when they polled them, they said they don't, they don't want to wow. be having those conversations. And, and so I think there's a, the lost art, yeah, resistance, resistance is the yeah, best word I can use. Uh, yeah, with conversations, yeah. you don't want to have them. Um, something that has mm. to be rediscovered. Well, I think mm. with AI and uh, having ChatGPT write for you, the only way you're going to actually authenticate somebody's intelligence is actually to listen to them. Mm. Unless they've created an avatar of themselves, that, that the TikTok that you sent me of that yeah, guy yeah. created an mm. uh, a, 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 a artificial persona, not artificial intelligence. And so actually mm. the only way you're going to be able to tell if somebody's legit or not is to listen to them and have a conversation with them, you know? Mm. So I think it's a skill that you have to develop more and more with the advent of ChatGPT. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So let's go on to point two. And point Three. two is, a uh, no, two. The first one wasn't a point. It was a pre-point. Oh, okay. pre, pre cool. All right. So number two is something called The Thinking Environment by Nancy Klein. Now, Nancy Klein is an author and uh, does similar things to you, uh, Eric, like an industrial psychologist, teamwork, that sort of thing. And what she did is she invented this system for boardrooms where everybody gets to talk for three minutes. Everybody. And everybody else has to look at them in a positive way agreeing with them in their body language, even if they don't agree with them. And what the theory is, and it's not a theory, it's, it's, I've done it many times, is that for the first 40 seconds of the person speaking, they're quite in fright or flight. And they're not quite relaxed yet. And after about 40 seconds, they run out of things to say. And then the rest of the room is still looking at them, focusing on them, holding space for them in a warm and engaging way. And all of a sudden, they start to access this incredible level of genius that they didn't even know that was in them, but just by being held the space for, they start to actually access. And when they run out of something to say, your, your comment is, do you have anything else you want to say about that? Do you have anything else you want to say? So it's a practice to bring about the best in the boardroom. Mm. So I suggest everybody check it out. The Thinking Environment by Nancy Klein. There's people that teach courses on it. I've been to it three times. And what it's taught me is to really get good at asking questions. And that's the real key. And I'm going to come to more of that. But to increase your network, it's not about telling people about yourself. That's the biggest misnomer. It's about asking questions about those people. And that's really the thing you want to be walking away from is getting to know a lot about them in a truly authentic way by asking better questions and holding space for them in a warm and engaging way. It's like, it seems so simple, but many people get it wrong. And in fact, I was getting it wrong until I went to the course and understood stood the theory of it. And I started to practice the theory of it. So anybody listening to this pod who spent a bit of time with me, you'll know that I ask you a million questions. Like, that's just what I do because I'm, I'm genuinely fascinated, but I've almost trained myself as well with the tools to practice that genuine fascination. So point two, Thinking environment, Nancy Klein. Yeah, I love that. I've, I've always been a big fan of Nancy Klein. I've, I heard her name the first time mentioned when I was doing my master's. 
And obviously, like in the coaching space, they use this idea of a, of a thinking environment quite a lot. And that's what you become as a coach is you're a thinking partner for someone. That's right. The, the thing that I, I love about what you just said is, is really this idea of holding space. And for people to think about that a bit more literally, you know, if you are holding space, what does that really mean? Mm. It means that you are the host of mm. that conversation. There we go. And if you are hosting that conversation, like how does a host act? Mm. Warm. Yeah. Welcoming. Yeah. Engaging. Yeah. Curious. Well said. And you're safe here. Yeah. You know? So we often use that term holding space and it's a great phrase, but we have to understand what that means. And, but, but I, I love the idea of the thinking environment and, and what you were just saying that everything um, lies behind asking good questions, but the only way you get there is by really being very, very bought into the conversation to start with. Yeah. And it's holding not about you, space. man. It's holding space. Cool. That's a, that's a, yeah. such a huge thing. Mm. I just see over and over and over and people that don't understand about that, you know? Okay. Point three is be interesting. Not, no, be interested, not interesting. And so what this means, again, it's pointing at the same thing here, is be interested in them and don't try and always be the person that's talking about themselves. And I think what happens is sometimes people get nervous when they get into those situations and they like start blabbering. And it's like, you've lost the crowd. And, and, and people now are like, oh my God. And guess what? When you go somewhere and somebody's speaking about themselves all the time, what do you walk away with? You're like, oh, geez, that guy mm. or that chick just that never stopped. And like you turned off by them. They almost suck the energy out of the room. And now you wonder why they don't call you back or why. So you've got to almost be very elegant in the process of being interesting. No, being interested and not interesting. That's really key. Mm. So next time you go into a room, Love that. be interested. Ask questions. Okay. So that's point three. I recently listened to episode two, season seven of IRL podcast. And this one is called The Humans in the Machine. And I got to tell you, it was such an eye opener because they were interviewing these young adults in Kenya that were actually the people inputting the information required for these large language models and having to deal with some hectic things on the internet. And they were showing that these big companies like Meta weren't really compensating these people for this incredibly difficult work. I mean, the psychological turmoil they must be going through must be really, really tough. I mean, it gave me such a new appreciation for what they're going through and also to hold them more accountable as these big organizations make incredible profits without sharing it in a fair way. So search for Mozilla IRL in your podcast player or visit IRLpodcast.org. We'll also include a link in the show notes for this pod. And many thanks for IRL for their support. So point four is from a, a, a line from my friend, Carl Fussman. You remember Carl Fussman when he came here to South Africa many yeah. years ago? And um, mm. he had a talk called Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. And he played this game with the crowd that said, turn to the person next to you and I want you to have a conversation with them and actually try and find somebody you don't know very well. And instead of saying, how are you? How's it going? Say, who's your best friend and why? And all of a sudden, the person has to start thinking about connecting the unexpected questions dots to now answer it. 
And when they start going through that inside their heads, what they're actually doing is forming a new thought process and you become a lot more memorable when you're asking very, very good questions. Now, one of the stories you mentioned was he interviewed Gorbachev in, after the Cold War and everybody was waiting to interview Gorbachev, was asking him about Cold War questions. But he asked Gorbachev a question that started off with, what is the last memory you have? No, what is the best or last memory you have with your father? And Gorbachev was taken aback. He couldn't believe that this question had come because it was unlike any question he's ever. And I don't even think he had ever thought about it, but actually what had happened was that his mm. father's last engagement with him was when his father went to war and bought him an ice cream at the train station. And he almost thinks that he ended the Cold War because of all that pain that he had from missing his father and never seeing his father again. And Gorbachev's interview was only 10 minutes long. And because of that question, Gorbachev stretched that interview to 42 minutes. And so change your questions, change your life, make people connect dots that they otherwise wouldn't have because your questions are so good. Mm. You know, that's such a good point. And we so easily fall into the script of um, how are you? What do you do? You know, the, the very typical questions that yeah. we start every conversation with. And mm. the way to almost mm. think about it is to ask people questions like you've known them for a long time. You know, the way that you would speak mm. to me or I would speak to mm. you, like there's a yeah. there's a familiarity. And so like you are comfortable asking certain questions. But I think those some of those questions can very easily be transposed into a, an environment where you don't know the person so well. And it's mm. not a deep personal thing, but like you were saying, it's unexpected. Mm. Have you, like, do you have a, a, a way of thinking about asking those kind of questions or is it always yes. just kind of what comes next and what comes next and what comes next? Well, I think the thing that I usually ask is, what are you looking forward to? Mm. And so like, hey, how are you doing? What's happening? Uh, so like we had a wedding now, so we, we have, I don't know you. So like, uh, what are you looking forward to next? And so they'll like think about, oh, yeah, actually I'm going overseas or I'm getting a promotion or something's going on, right? And then the second question for me is, mm. um, what do you do when you're not at it at work? Like, what, what do you get up to? Oh, I'm a cyclist. Oh, no, I play rugby. Um, mm. No, I, I do bridge. I don't know, whatever the case may be. So what you start to do, you start to unpack the alternate aspects of their lives that they're not expecting to actually talk about in that space. And you know what's so funny, Eric? People feel so grateful that you've created the environment for them to share and for them to not feel pressure that they have to come up with conversation. Mm. You know, there's a relaxation in that process and you're genuinely Definitely. interested, you know, you're like, mm. you're, like you're, you're really, really interested. So mm. I think change your questions, change your life, even change the questions about yourself and, and wherever you go. It's like, just think about better questions, you know, and you can Google, actually Google 10 best date questions, 10 best group friend questions. Mm. You can group, you can, there's even apps that give you 42 questions that you can have whenever you meet up uh, with people that you know or don't. Do you remember there was that one quiz um it became very famous at some point it was like 30 questions that uh builds immediate rapport it became this like big thing it was all over the media yeah. some psychologists developed it and uh, i remember seeing lots of people saying like just take those questions yeah. into conversation yeah. like they've been proven to yeah. unlock deeper relationships yeah yeah cool change your questions change your life number five dale carnegie says the sweetest sound that a person can hear is their name. And so when you meet them, 
say their name at least three times in the conversation that's leading. And in that process, what you start to do is start to imprint it with that person. Then connect that name to somebody else you know who also has that name so that the next time you see them, you've connected their name to somebody that you existing know. So if somebody is Alex, now I connect them with another Alex that I know who's a dentist. So that in my head, I'm like, okay, you're an Alex, you're a dentist. And then I've connected that memory and that connection. And then when you swap WhatsApp numbers, take a picture together and then send that picture to that WhatsApp group. And so now what you've done in one file swoop is you've said their name three times. They love it. You've combined it with somebody that you know. You've exchanged phone numbers and you've taken a selfie. Again, it's another connection point that you two have had now that you've shared in a moment that you've frozen. You put it onto the mm. WhatsApp chat. Now you always remember the person's face. You remember their name. And now you, you're golden and you can keep moving because you're mm. connected with somebody already now. Sure. I love that. Super tactical. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because I, I'm always out, I'm always meeting new people. Like it's, it's a constant process for me. So I've had to really fine tune. How do I remember everybody? And so, and then right after WhatsApp's Instagram, right? So that's also very important for me is that let's connect on Instagram. So let's just stay there. And then you get to know somebody. And you, you, over time, you get to know that person. The next time you see them, you've got a familiarity. You've already mm. built that network. And so I think the digital sort of connections are really, really important and, 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 and make remarks and, and like, like engage with them. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I love that. I love this. This is great. Mm. You know? So, okay. I like the – because what you're doing is you're just creating these additional touch points. And often what I'll do is if someone emails me for like a, a, a keynote or an event or whatever – I'll, I'll go and look up their name on LinkedIn and I'll connect with them on LinkedIn before I send my reply. Because I know that once they see that, they're seeing a side of me that they probably haven't seen yet, if, unless they've come through that, that way, you know. But if we aren't connected, then, oh, okay, now they get to see other things I've done, companies I've spoken for, some of my thinking. So now when I return that email, it's not just a return to an email. They kind of have more context for who I am and what I've done. And so what you're doing is you're just building additional touch points. And also remember, I think, I think when it comes to LinkedIn, it's also good. Like, obviously you want them to know what work you're doing, but be interested in their work. Mm. Like go mm. through their posts and see what actually resonates with you and make comments, you know, and I've been doing that quite a bit. It's like, I like mm. this. Could you unpack this a little bit for me? Like create a conversation and get them to even ask online. It's like, oh, I really like this. Or, you know, if I ever see anybody I meet with a dog, I mean, I'm like, sending hearts and kisses and you know that's like that's a connection because now also you share mm. your love of dogs with each other that's another way for you to want to go and and connect you're just looking for, sure. for common ground like mm. you're always looking for common ground and i think wis mm. wisdom is always looking for common ground and when you are not elegant and conscious of the way you're approaching it you're actually looking for ways to uh uncommon ground you know and so like that's what like racists do or like uh, misogynist, like people that are low energy, they're looking for ways that are what separates us. And what you should be doing is looking for ways that actually connect you, you know, and that's really key. Mm. Okay. So um, over the weekend, I, I met some guy, he was a really nice guy, but he did something that really, really bothered me. And this, and, and it really does bother me a lot is that when they ask you a question, they don't look at you in the eye when you're responding. And it's a power game. And it's a, it's a ridiculous power game from the 1980s, which is so in the short term might create your need for that person's eye contact, 
But in the long term, you don't like that person. You don't trust that person. You feel abandoned by that person. And so Bill Clinton was very, very famous that when you spoke to Bill Clinton, the rest of the world disappeared for him. And when you do that to somebody, you suck them into that world and you hold space at such a deep level that they remember you just for feeling safe with you. And so remember that if you don't mm. give eye contact, you're playing a, a, a long-term failed game. You're wanting to dominate. You're not trying to uplift. You're not trying to engage with their, gener with their genius. You're trying to dominate the conversation and you're not going to get the best out of them in the long term. So when somebody's speaking to you, make a point of giving them eye contact and be warm in your engaging facial expressions so that they are open and feel comfortable, even if you don't agree with them. Guess what? You're not going to agree with everybody. It doesn't mean they're wrong, and it doesn't mean you're mm -hmm. right. It just means that they've got a different perspective. And if you shut down their thinking, you, you haven't created a network. And two, you're not, you're not learning anything new. Because immediately what you've done is that you've just kept to your own understanding of the world rather than being engaging to it. And again, this comes down to my quote, my life motto, which is strong opinions held loosely. Like you don't know and you're allowed to change your opinions. But if you're not listening to people, and you're not getting the best out of them. How quickly are you learning? You're not. You're stuck in your ego. Mm. Mm. The, the only thing I'll just say to that is, you know, we often think or uh, our patterns become invisible to us very quickly. And so you might listen to this and you go, ah, oh, like that's so common sense. Like look someone in the eye when you're speaking to them. Of course, of course we should be doing that. But you don't realize how easily you fall into the pattern of not doing that. And it's not your fault. It's just something that might have developed over time. The same way that we have certain speaking glitches, filler words that we fall back onto, um, sorrow, whatever. You say those things without you realizing that you're saying those things. And so it's very possible that you get into conversations and you exhibit body language, not looking someone in the eye, certain things that isn't conducive to conversation. And it's not that you're doing it on purpose. It's just become your you're pattern sloppy. and you've become blind. Yeah, you become so sloppy. Yeah. When you hear something like mm. this, yeah, just pay attention. When you hear things that seem like, okay, like I, I know I do this or I should do this, just pay attention to do you actually do that? Is that really how you are showing up? Cool. Okay, number seven is find the hidden passion of the person you're talking to. And when they start talking about it, they come alive. And when they come alive, they open up. They feel warm. And so I met this other guy at the wedding and a uh, really nice guy. And I said to him, so what do you do when you're not at work? He's like, oh, I used to play rugby. He was at Grays and he played professional rugby and man, did that conversation just take a totally different spin? We started talking about, I mean, look, I know, I know, mm. I know what I know about rugby is scary and it's nothing, but it was just great, man. The guy was like so into it. He was a, he was a, a center. I was a wing. And so we were talking about how we've become small for rugby. You know, in my day, I was a perfect height for a wing. Today, you've got to be six foot flipping three for a wing. And so he's also short. He was like, geez, as mm. he got older, he would get pushed more and more out because the guys just got bigger. And we got this common ground of, I used to love rugby when I played it. I mean, now I just, I have no clue what's going on with it. And, you know, we started talking about, and he's also, he's, he's my age, he's a bit older than me. And we started talking about how important it is for guys to look after themselves. Otherwise, you know, your midsection starts getting the better of you. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you're a, a fat toppy. 
And for any of all our international uh, listeners, toppy is an Afrikaans word for old man. And uh, you don't want to be a fat toppy. Um, and so, you know, that was, it was just a common ground. And so find the hidden passion and let them express on that hidden passion and then ask further questions on that hidden passion. Like I often see this in, in, in circles is, so I went on holiday to Greece and then when I did this, 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 and the next person doesn't say, what else did you do in Greece? They'll go, when I was in Turkey, this, this, and this happened. And the next person goes, when I was in Barcelona, guys, ask more questions. Like, so where did you go in Greece? Like, mm. and how was it? And, and what airport did you fly into? And just ask, you know, you don't always have to be blowing your own trumpet. It gets flippin' boring. So uh, thing one, uh, the seventh one is find a hidden passion. It's quite fortuitous that you went to a wedding this weekend because it's the perfect proving ground for everything you're speaking about today. I mean, <laughs> one, of, one of the worst places to be is at a wedding, sitting at a table where you know no one around the table and yeah, you're like, okay, yeah. time yeah. to make conversation. It feels, I yeah. think about that, I'm like, okay, that feels like a chore. That's going to be, yeah. Yeah. I'm already like, yeah. I'm already not looking forward to it. And I can just yeah. kind of imagine you sitting down and just speaking to everyone. Yes, because I also think everybody on the table is uncomfortable. So take the lead. Mm. Be the host mm. of the table. And everybody's like, wow, that guy's so great. Like we all relaxed into the conversation because somebody was leading us. And I say this to everybody that asks me for any tips about speaking. I'm like, the audience is desperate for you to take a lead. Don't mm. go up there apologizing. Don't go up there and explain when you were researching. Nobody gives a shit. Get up there. Take the lead. People want to relax and have somebody lead them for the next 30, 40, 50 minutes. Take ownership. And so when you're going yeah. into those spaces, everybody's going through what you're going through, so you might as well take ownership. And then mm. all of a sudden, doors start opening for you. And, you know, for example, um, one of the guys that was there, um, Martin, uh, Martin, if you're listening, hi. But Martin is a very well-accomplished board member, has sat on some massive organizations' boards, and we become friends and we had a great party together and he's opening up his network to me and introducing me to other boards around the world. And I was actually commenting to him and saying, you know, I really appreciate that you're opening up your network. Your network's it's everything you are. It's your, it's your, it's your currency. And for you to feel mm. the trust in me to open up those networks with me, I'm, I'm deeply grateful, but I also know that I've earned it. You know what I mean? You're not just mm. opening that up for me, but there's been a few conversations, a couple of coffees, and now you start to build the repertoire of opening up those new doors, you know? Mm. So it's really important mm. long-term. It is. And what I've come to realize is that when I have those situations where I'm sitting at a, at a, a table like that, it, it doesn't come natural to me. I almost yeah, have to, no, no. I have to get into the headset that I'm going to go to that table and take the lead. I'm going to go to that table and create the conversation. And I'm able to do that. It's not a problem. It's like when when we get into the conversation, that's the easy part for me. It's just the, it's like, it's the feeling of wanting to do it that I need to get to. And once I get to that, then the rest is easy. But it comes back to what we were saying earlier that, you know, this is, it's a learned skill and that you, you can get yourself into the headspace of having those conversations and taking the lead and holding the space. And it might've come natural to you, it just means that you require even more intention in how you're going to hold that space and do those conversations. Look, you know what really helps is tequila. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
you know. <laughs> just carry a little hip flask yeah, yeah, with yeah, you yeah, throughout yeah, the day. Exactly. For... <laughs> it's like, shit, I've got to go networking. Okay, let me just get drunk a bit. Let me get tipsy. And then I, I'm asking lots of questions. Yeah. All <laughs> uh, right. Next point. Uh, number eight. Again, very, very simple. Very simple. Smile. Force yourself to smile. Like people don't smile. You know, the, last night mm. I went to this meditation, this metaverse meditation. We walked into this room. My friends and I all walk in smiling, greeting everybody. Not one person smiled back at us and not one person greeted us back. And we all looked at each other and said, are we too happy? Like, what? why are people not engaging? Like, And so when you're actually listening to somebody, smile. Like, there's nothing mm. wrong. Like, just smile. Just like, and you know, I was walking on the prom uh, in Cape Town and I was smiling to myself. And I've actually started to do this as a practice is to actually smile, force myself to smile, remind myself to smile. And you know how they say, if you are confident, your spine is straight because you're walking around confidently. And if you're not confident, walk around and remind yourself to make your back straight and it automatically makes you more confident. So there's a mm. dual process that's happening here. It's not one or the other, it's both. And so smiling again releases dopamine. And my very good friend Stuart once said to me before Iron Man Durban, he said, the more you smile, the faster you go. And think about mm. what that means is the more you smile, the more dopamine you get, the more dopamine you get, the more energy you have, the faster you go. So smile, guys. It's like, I don't know why people think it's like a, it's a task to smile. Just smile, just like engage with people, host them. Again, I love that. I think that's the real, real amazing point here. Just host people when you're having a networking and growing process. Okay, mm. number nine. Number nine is, somebody did this to me a while back. Uh, it was a friend back then. And he had heard my story about something. And then new people arrived to the table and he said, guys, you have to listen to John's story. It's unbelievable. And, you know, two things happened. One, I was like, wow, this guy thought my story was that good. And two, he went out of his way to not take any attention from the rest of the people that arrived and gave me an, another opportunity to take even more attention. And mm. at, the, at, the, at, the, at the downfall of him not getting attention, for him to have to listen to the story the second time. And you know what? That's the first thing that happens. The second thing is, I didn't know my story was that impressive or that interesting because it's a story that's been sitting inside my head forever. And so I just thought it's just another story. But actually to other people, it's an unbelievable story. And I'm like, wow, this guy went out of his way, mentioned it to other people. And again, it made me feel like this guy really listened and really cared and was so impressed that he wanted to tell other people. And so it's like, you know, Eric, Eric, come here, come here. Guys, you've got to listen to Eric's story. I mean, it's unbelievable how he went from here to here and he did this. Eric, go, go, tell them, tell them. And so it's almost like you become a hype machine for people at the table that you have listened to and you're complimenting them and say, wow, that's really impressive. That's just fantastic how you've done that. So I think it's such a soft, soft thing to do, mm. um, but such an important thing to do, you know? That's a masterstroke. You know, that's like, that's, that's someone really who, is, eh? who, who yeah. gets it, you yeah. know, definitely to be able to divert the attention, to spotlight someone, that's someone who knows what they're doing. And, and he's in the power seat because he hosted mm. the conversation to redirect. He's still boss. He's still the yeah. boss. Yeah, yeah. Sat he's subtly mm. the boss, but you are on the stage, but he's the boss. Mm. You see, it's such a, yeah. <laughs> a nuance. It's so nuanced. It's so nuanced, but it's amazing, right? That's and awesome. I still remember it. it. Like 10, 15 years later, I still remember how he did that. Yeah. Okay. Then the last one, number 10, is 
an elevator pitch. Now, what usually happens when we talk about an elevator pitch is that people very quickly want to tell you what they do. And I think that's the wrong way to go about doing it. How you want to do an elevator pitch, because often, if not always, the question is, what do you do? Like, what Mm. do you do and how do you do it? Like, what's the story? And so the way to think about how to break down an elevator pitch is called PCT. Is the problem that's out there, the credentials that I have, and the transformation that happens when I work with them. And so when you're doing an elevator pitch, what you want to be doing is, What's keeping your audience up at night? What's keeping the customers up at night? And so I'll read you my very shortened version of PCT. And I'll show you how when I do an elevator pitch, it's similar to this. It's not always the same, but it's a similar. It takes this format. So the problem is organizations and governments worry about their future and survival, struggling to keep up with the numerous disruptions. People are frustrated, anxious, and unsure about their relevance and in the face of technological advancements. They're confused about structural changes, and they don't know how to prepare for the future. And so when I say this to somebody, they're like, yeah, me too. I'm like, yeah, okay, land. We all have the same problem, and, mm. and, and you, you've connected as we are, we are all, we're all in the same problem, right? That, well, just because that's the work I do. Maybe if you, if you sell tires, they don't have the same problem as you, but they'll somewhere yeah. along the way would have had the same problem. Two is credentials. It's like, why me? So once I've said to you what has happened in the governments and people can't get ready, I say, well, look, I've written nine books around psychology, neuroscience, and strategy. I've co-authored and, and, authored and co-authored nine books about the topics of futurism and strategy. I've worked with thousands of people in hundreds of institutions and organizations and governments across the world, and I'm uniquely qualified to understand people and structural change on how to build strategies for the future. This is what I've researched for the last 10 or 15 years, and I lecture on these topics. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really impressive. Now what I've done is I've created the solution of why I am the person to lead you to the, to the future. And then the last piece is, well, you know, I help these organizations clarify how to bring about the best in their people with more imagination, more creativity, and more lateral thinking. They can restructure their organizations, allowing leaders to perform, lead, and win at their best with peace of mind. And so what happens is I've given you the problem everybody's struggling with, the credentials that I have, and then the end result of when people work with me is they can lead with peace. They have clarity of what they need to do, and they have tools to improve their people and their organizational structures. Mm. That's quite a – I mean, I love the structure. It's quite big and quite thorough in that sense. And um, I'm assuming that when you meet someone and you actually speak to them, you don't give them that whole spiel. Like it, it kind of seems like that might be the website version and there might be a shorter version for conversation. On So look, it really depends on where you are and what you're doing. So instead of saying, I'm a speaker, conversation's flat. Mm. What now? Yes. But now you've listened to them. They've been talking about their lives, their aunts, uh, their cycling, their... The, now you've created space for them to be really interested in you. Like, hang on a second. Look, okay, you're like really interesting. You're asking me so many questions. What do you do? Mm. Well, look, before I tell you what I do, let me tell you what's going on in the world. Like what I've seen through my research is that people are struggling. Like there's yeah, anxiousness, yeah. there's frustration. Organizations are unsure. And the person's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Me too. Well, look, what I do is I'm an author. I'm a lecturer. I'm a speaker, strategist. I work with organizations and governments. I've done so around the world. And um, what happens is I go in and I focus in on the people change and the structural change. And at the end of it, people have a better clarity of what they need to be doing. 
Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. So now I'm like, I've like, but, but I'm not going in pitching that right from the top. Right. So it just depends. I think, I think there's cool. nuances right across the board. I don't mm. think there's like one specific way. Right? Yeah. Love it. Okay. And then, um, just, I'll just do one more actually. And I think this one's also quite important and I, and I do this as often as I can. And if any of my clients are listening, just bear with me because whenever you get a brief from a client, try and change the brief. If you can help the client reframe their question or reframe what they actually want because they don't have clarity of what they want, because often they don't know what they want. They think they know what they want, but because you, the specialist and the expert, when a client comes to you, you can reframe their question. And as you start to reframe their question, you start to own the conversation. You start to become the host and the leader in that space. Now, whether you're in advertising or whether you're a doctor or whether you're into skincare, whether you're into hairdresser, every, it's, 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 it's available to you in every way. So somebody will come to you and say, look, I want to cut my hair really short. And you'd be like, look, let me just explain, you know, winter's coming or the new style says this, this, and this. Why don't you try this as an option? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. Now what you've done is you've built trust with that hairdresser. That hairdresser's like, oh, shit, that person knows exactly what's going on for me, you know? Mm. So I think if you can change the conversation and become a host as often as possible in a very authentic manner, you just become somebody that's memorable, somebody that people want to hang around with and people that are given the opportunity to think about their lives in brand new ways because Mm. of your poignant questions. Listen, um, this has been a phenomenal episode. We, we decided to redo this because we've actually had a similar conversation before. So uh, people are welcome to go and listen to the previous one. I think this one has been way, way more tactical. Um, the previous one was maybe a bit more high level, but it, it covered a lot of the same things. But today was just very nitty gritty. Um, I love it. Super, super actionable as well. Um, framework for uh, elevator pitch, um, questions to ask, thinking environment, books to go and read. You know, So I think there's been a ton that people can go dig into. A few highlights that I noted for myself is to always be looking for common ground. Uh, the audience is desperate for you to lead. And don't just think about this in terms of audience. Think about this in terms of groups, conversations that you get into, that we have to hold and host the space. And I love the one about be the hype machine. I think that's actually something I want to practice a lot more. And you know, uh, when you said that, I was like, where I do practice that a lot is at paddle. You know, when, but, the, but it's cool. Like when you're at the paddle courts, everyone is hyping each other all the time because it's like, you know, if you hit a good shot or whatever, like people are always hyping you. But I've, I don't bring that out into other conversations more, uh, or more than I, I'm doing at the moment. I think I need to be yeah. improving that a lot. Yes. You should. You do, it, you, you, do it one, you do it one place, which I really love. You hype your wife. Yes. You do that. And I'm sure she must feel amazing about it. And also because you, you know she must feel amazing about it. But you know, I did it to you when you were doing your leadership. Yes, manual. yes, yes. And you, you, actually, you actually thanked me for it. And you're like, wow, that was really nice. And it's like, oh, wow, okay. Because it, it was important to hype you. It's taken a lot of work. It's, it's fantastic. But I did that very intentionally. Mm. You know, I could have just said, hey, we had the pod. Go, Eric, unpack it mm. for us. No, that's not the point. The point is... You're my buddy. I want to hype you. I want to make sure that you people realize how much effort and work that you've done because it's hard sometimes to do it yourself. But if your person next to you is saying, look, this, is, this person's done this and this and this, and I'm really proud of them because of how they've done this, 
it's always going to leave a sweet taste mm. in their mouths, you know? And I think that's mm. nice. You know, it's nice. It's nice to do. Listen, brother, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal episode. Thank you so much. Thank you for the effort you put into um, bringing all of this together in a cohesive and coherent way for making it incredibly tactical that we can go away and just do stuff with it straight away. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you. And to everyone listening, we hope that, uh, as always, you've enjoyed the conversation. If you did, we would love to hear from you. You can email us training at theexpansive.com with anything. Like, say hi to us. Let us know what you think about the pod, ways to improve it. Uh, let us know about guests that you might want us to bring on. If you want to book us for our chat GPT webinar, we've been doing that now for, uh, well, we did the freebie one for everyone. And then we've had a few organizations now reached out to us that want us to deliver it to them. Uh, we are trying to help organizations understand how AI is going to affect their world. And chat GPT has obviously been on everyone's lips. So we use that as the starting point, but it's way more than just chat GPT. There is an avalanche of tools that are coming your way that's going to augment you in incredible ways. And so being curious about that and embracing that, it really is the key to being a more future-proof human being. So if you want more information on that as well, training at theexpansive.com. And otherwise, over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Uh, not a four-star, not a three-star, not a two-star, not a one-star, a five-star review. For anything else, just email us. Everyone, uh, thank you so much. John, it's been great, brother. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thanks, man. See you guys next week. Ciao.